Welcome to Centerpoint Church Podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. As we begin our study in the book of Jonah, we see that we all have choices to make. We can surrender, we can align with God's plan, and we can live in obedience. As we jump into 2024, this is a good time for you to be here. Because today we we are beginning a new series that we are going to call Tug of War, uh, Aligning with Mercy. We're going to spend the next several weeks uh, looking at the book of Jonah. Now, I don't care who you are or how long um, you've been involved in the life of the church. Chances are you've heard of Jonah, right? Every single one of us has probably heard of the biblical character Jonah. Show of hands, this is a participation time today. Show of hands, how many of you have heard of the story of Jonah and the whale? See, I told you, I mean, even some of you who don't like to participate and put your hand in the air, you raise your hand today, I'm, that's pretty great, awesome, and thank you for participating. Now, up front, I, I just want to help you understand that um, this book of Jonah might not be exactly what you think it is. It, it, we will look at the life of Jonah, but it's not really about Jonah. Uh, this book of Jonah is more about the character of God. And to be even more clear, what I would say is that this book is about the mercy of God. Jonah shows us the mercy of God. Now, if you've hung out at church at all over the course of your lifetime, you've heard mercy paired with some other words. Words like justice, perhaps, or, or uh, grace. Justice is getting what we deserve. Uh, grace is getting what we don't deserve. But oftentimes, we love justice, yeah? <laughs> we love justice when somebody has done something wrong or they've wronged us. And we really love grace when we are the ones who've done the wrong. But mercy, mercy is not getting what we deserve, and we don't often talk about it. We don't think about mercy in the same way as we think about these other words, justice and grace. As we turn into this series, the thing that I'm becoming aware of is this, is that uh, we're going to find that Jonah is engaged in a great tug of war. We're going to see several instances over the next few weeks where uh, Jonah is doing opposite of what the Lord asks him to do. He's pulling on this rope, and God isn't interested in the tug of war, but Jonah is doing it, and God grants him mercy along the way. Jonah's problem, one of the problems, is probably similar to ours, is that uh, Jonah doesn't like who God is granting mercy to all the time. And here's what I've learned about mercy. One of the things that I have learned about mercy through the course of my life and through the course of like studying, preparing for this message is this. God's ways aren't my ways. God's thoughts aren't my thoughts. And news flash. God's ways aren't your ways. God's thoughts aren't your thoughts. Neither were they Jonah's. 
And the way that God extends mercy to people, the way that God extends mercy to in certain situations doesn't always make sense, but those aren't, um, they're not ours to even discern or to judge. God is merciful all the time. Now, Jonah plays a serious game of tug of war. I mean, he's refusing to align with God's plan for him. And God doesn't necessarily care that, that we don't understand or that we don't um, appreciate the fact that he is merciful. What I believe God cares about in the midst of the struggle is this. In the, in the midst of the tug of war, would we be willing to align with mercy? Can we... In the midst of our spiritual journey, get to the place where we would be open to considering that God is the one who's merciful and that we might be able to get in line with him. Because if we can, if, if we can align ourselves with the mercy of God as people who are, are trying to be inwardly sound, then maybe, just maybe, we would become others-focused, and we would be aligned with mercy. So let's get into it. Um, we're going to be in Jonah. It's about the middle of your Bible. If you have a Bible or a preferred electronic device in which you read Scripture, I'd invite you to turn to Jonah chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at the first three verses of Jonah 1 this morning. As we turn to the word of the Lord... I want to invite you to pray with me. Let's pray. Father, would your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Jesus our single concern. Amen. Friends, hear these words from the book that we love, Jonah chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Three verses. Again, show of hands. How many of you have read this particular piece of Jonah's um, story? It's okay. Keep participating. Stay with me as we do this. Who, who has read this particular part of the narrative? And what I'm curious about is, do you see and do you feel the tug of war? Did you, did you sense it as you read the text? Because here's what happened. In his mercy, God speaks to Jonah. Jonah hears the Lord speak to him, and Jonah says, nah, I don't think so. God speaks to Jonah. Jonah hears, and he's just like, no, I'm not going to do that. It feels like a tug of war. It's that simple. 
And this is the easiest way I can explain what's going on in this text. Jonah hears God speak, and he wants no part of it. And if we reduce it to that, then maybe we've done a disservice to the word of the Lord. So I want to dive in a little bit more deeply to what's happening in the text. The the first four words of the text really matter to the people who uh, were listening and were reading and were hearing the text in that day. Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, um, why is that a big deal, those, those words, Jonah, son of Amittai? It was a way to identify who he was. Um, Jonah is not just some Jew. He, he was a, a prophet of the Lord. He, he was one of the people that God used um, in ministry during this season in history. He, he was a prophet during the time of King Jeroboam. He was um, who lived during the reign of Jehoash, the king. And, and Jeroboam was an evil ruler. He was evil. Um, and, and God spoke to Jonah to, to speak to these people, to his people during this season. He, he wanted to spare their life because God is merciful. He uses a human being to help save these particular people, the, the people of Israel. It, this matters, and I'll get to that in just a minute or two. But, but see this. Here's what, uh, Jerobo- or what Jonah prophesied back in the time of Jeroboam. He, Jeroboam, was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Labo-Hemath to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord. The God of Israel, the God, is, the God of Israel, spoken through his prop- servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet of Gath Hefir. There's our boy Jonah. He, he was a real human being who prophesied. The word great also appears multiple times throughout the book of Jonah. Later on, we're going to see where Jonah says, um, talks about there being a great fish, a great team. There's um, uh, this, in this text, we find and are told that, that Nineveh is a great city. It was great in size. There, there were five times as many people in Nineveh as there were in Jerusalem. Nineveh was great in power. Nineveh was great in military prowess. There, you would have, could look high and low. There was no city that you could find that was as great as Nineveh. Except God also knew that Nineveh was great in its disobedience. It was great in its wickedness. And and whether Nineveh knew it or not, they were an abomination to the Lord. And God was against Nineveh. But again... Because God is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love, God extended mercy. And he had Jonah prophesy to those people. He had them do the thing to save them. And now here's another interesting little tidbit that I found that I, that I think is interesting. Jonah means dove. Did you know that? Everybody say dove. Tell me you're still here. Dove, dove in, in biblical terms often returns to peace, refers to peace and hope and transformation and love, these kinds of things. And, and so Jonah 
um, is dove. It means dove. And, and, a, and a dove is also can represent in times where there's a, a difficult situation that needs to be dealt with, that it can be dealt with as a dove. And so the Lord speaks to dove, or, or Jonah. He, he speaks to Jonah, and he asks him. He gives them this word. He gives him this word to prophesy to the Ninevites. Now, Jonah's not afraid to say a hard thing. He's done it before. He did it with the people of Israel back in that second Kings text. What's his problem? What is it that he is unwilling to um, why is it that he's unwilling to prophesy to these people? What's his problem? Why won't he live into and up to his name? I think is a great question. And this is the answer. Jonah loves his people. So and in that sense, he is true to his name, that he, he, as a dove, he loves his people, but he hates Nineveh. Jonah hears God's decree. He hears what he asks him to do. And Jonah's like, no way. I want nothing to do with that because the problem is not with the hardness of the message. The problem is the message itself. Jonah completely disagrees with what the Lord is wanting to do. He disagrees with extending mercy and it's fascinating, right? I mean, he was unwilling because he had prophesied previously, and then what, when he prophesied, the Lord actually made what he said come to pass. He was unwilling to participate with what God had to say through him in this moment. Jonah had witnessed what the Assyrian people had done to his people. He had seen it, he had experienced it, and he wanted nothing to do with it. So, in a, in a, a significant, in-your-face move, Jonah does this, verse 3. Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he had found a ship bound for port. He doesn't just say no. I mean, this is quite a choice, right? The Lord says to do something, and Jonah not only doesn't do it, but he turns and he goes in the other direction. He runs away. Have you ever sensed God calling you to do something? Has God ever spoken to you and asked you to do something, and you just said, nah, Have you ever disobeyed God? Jonah plays judge and jury here in this text. He hears the word and he wants nothing to do with it. He's forgotten that God's ways are not his ways and that God's thoughts are not his thoughts. He's playing God. I mean, Jonah didn't just say no. (laughs) 
I'm struck by the fact that he ran. I mean, he, he actually obeyed by getting up, and the text tells us he said to get up and to go. He didn't run the 600 miles that he was supposed to go north and east of where he was. Instead, he went down to Joppa so that he could go to this town 2,500 miles in the exact opposite direction that's probably located in the place um, in the south of Spain. 2,500 miles. The lengths we're willing to go when we're selfish are pretty phenomenal. Yeah? In our, in our sinfulness, we're willing to go to extraordinary lengths. 1,900 miles, the exact opposite direction because of our own sinfulness. And I want you to see this. I mean, I want you to notice in the text, it said that he went down to Joppa. Now, geographically, that's probably true. Like Joppa would have been south of um, where he was. But have you ever noticed that sin and disobedience is often a downward movement? Now, we'll see over the course of the series other times in which Jonah takes downward moves and makes downward moves that are um, antithetical to who God has created him to be. But this isn't, like, reserved for, for Jonah. Like, we, we do this too, Yeah? Like, when, when we get stirred up, we're asked to do something that we don't agree with or that doesn't align with our mental models, the way in which we think, then uh, we react accordingly. We don't get to our best thinking, our emotions, our, our feelings get in the way, and, and we do things that are stupid. And it's not that we are stupid. It's just that we can't get to our thinking processes, and so Jonah is obviously not thinking. I mean, he, he was a man of God. He, he knew better than to disobey God. He, he knows that he can run and not hide. There is nowhere that he can hide. He, he would have agreed with the prophet Micah who said, who is a God like you? who pardons sin and forgives forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. He, He would have agreed with the psalmist who says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? There's nowhere to run, friends. There's nowhere for Jonah to run, and there's nowhere... For you to run, and there's nowhere for you to hide, and yet he ran anyway. And finally, there's this nugget. <laughs> this, this one um, slays me. As if the rest of the story and, and the, the, the actions, the phrases, the words that, that we've looked at to this point aren't enough. Look at this, the end of verse 3. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Did you hear that? He paid the fare. He, he, he paid to get on there. He didn't just stow away. He took money and he paid the fare. I 
mean? That's mind-blowing to me. Some theologians say that he paid for every single person on the ship so that the ship wouldn't stop so that it would just keep on going, that it wouldn't make the stop, so that it would get there as fast as it possibly could, so that he could get away from the Lord and to Tarshish as fast as he possibly could. Maybe he paid the fare for everybody. Maybe he only bought his own ticket. But what I want you to see <laughs> is he invested deeply in his own disobedience. He willingly paid to be disobedient. And and this is the thing. I'm struck by this. We were talking about this the other day. There's, Jonah is at this place of diverging from being obedient to being disobedient. He's, he's at a place of divergence where he no longer wants to be obedient to what God is saying, but is willing to be disobedient. I mean, he was among the fortunate. He was known by God. He was call, loved by God. He was called by God. He was among those who had been chosen. And that, that's what makes the disobedience so astounding is that God had invested in Jonah. God had made himself known to Jonah. Jonah knew the Lord. Jonah served the Lord. And yet when he gets to this fork in the road, he says, nah. And and, and the same is true for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. For those of us who have accepted Christ, we're known by God, we're loved by God, and, and God is with us in the person of Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit, and we can lean into steps that are obedient in our life. Sinful as you are, sinful as I am, God is still gracious and merciful to us, and God still wants you to make choices that are obedient in your life. So as you, and when you stand at the fork in the road... Do you choose obedience or disobedience? The Spirit is in you. It's alive in you, and it's calling you. And so what I'm curious about, the the question that I, I want us to consider this week is this. Are you more invested in your obedience or your disobedience? Are you more invested in your obedience or your disobedience? I mean, we could say that obedience is the easy path, that it's super clear. God has shown us the way. And, and we say around here a lot that clear is kind. And, and so God is really kind in that the way is pretty clear. Just follow the steps, do the things that the Lord asks us to do. We would think that that would be easier and that disobedience would be harder we would, we would think that that's true, but, and yet we're disobedient all the time, yeah? Because disobedience requires investment. It requires time and effort and energy. I mean, the, way, the path of obedience really doesn't, we don't even have to think about it because it's laid out to us. But when we're disobedient, we have to invest in that. And we pay a price. Have you paid the price of disobedience? 
We plot, we scheme, we connive, we do all of these things that lead us down a path that is not the one that we would want to take. We're, we're pulling on a rope in this game of tug-of-war that isn't necessary. I mean, it's a story as old as time. God said, you can eat whatever you want. Everything that I have is yours in this garden. Just don't eat from that one thing. And we've been moving down and slithering down this dreadful path of disobedience ever since. Are you more invested in your obedience or your disobedience? And and then this question is the other $64,000 question for the day. Are you more focused on what's wrong with people than on what's right with God? Are you more focused on what's wrong with people than what's right with God? You see, Jonah's anger and hatred of the Ninevites led him down this path of disobedience. He believed that the Ninevites didn't deserve God's mercy. He was more focused on what was wrong with them than what was right with God. Who are the people that you're angry with? Who are the things that, and the people that you're focusing on that you're believing aren't worthy of God's mercy? Do you have anybody like that in your life? Are there people that you're so angry with that you don't think are worthy of God's mercy? Hear the truth of the gospel friends. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jonah did. I have. So have you. Every single one of us has done this. But thanks be to God that the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Thanks be to God that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. And as 2024 ramps up, I'm curious, are you ready to let go of the rope? Are you ready to stop tugging, pulling against God, leading these lives of disobedience? Do you have choices to make between obeying and disobeying what God is asking you to do? What choice will you make? Are you investing time and energy in in being disobedient and living this life that is exhausting you, that is wearing you down, that you don't want to do any longer? Are you more focused on what's wrong with people than on what's right with God? Here's the aligning with mercy challenge for you this week. If you haven't already surrendered your life to Christ, would you do it today? Would you do it this week? Would you call on the name of the Lord and say, I need your mercy and grace because it's available to you in the person of Jesus Christ. Our God is a God of second, third, and a thousandth chances. Would you surrender your life to Christ? 
Or if you're like Jonah, if you're like me, if you're one of us who are in Christ, it's time to re-surrender our lives. It's time to stand at that fork and not take those steps towards disobedience, but rather walk towards obedience. This is the time. The time is to re-surrender. I mean, we said these words as we were at the font just a little bit ago with Jacob and Gretchen and little Betsy there. Through baptism, Christ calls us to new obedience, to live this life and to trust God completely. That that is the way because the Spirit of God is in us and the Spirit of God is with us. We, We don't have to worry about our sin. We discontinue that path. And we live the path of obedience. Friends, don't run from God. There's there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere you can go from God's spirit. There's nowhere you can flee from his presence instead of running from God. Would you run? To him, Would you allow the mercy of God to overwhelm you in such a way that maybe, just maybe, mercy will begin to reign in your life? Allow, friends, allow the mercy of God to wash over you. The scripture promises us when we do this. If we come near to God, then God will come near to us. Resurrender your life today. Draw near, and he will draw near to you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for um, the scripture. I thank you uh, for um, this text. I thank you for your mercy. I pray, O Lord, that um, increasingly that because your mercy is enough for us that our mercy would triumph over our wrath as it relates to other people in other situations. I pray that we would no longer be so invested in our disobedience that we would become obedient, that we would live into and out of the obedience that you've already given us in the person of Jesus Christ. Would you, Lord God, enable us to let go of the rope to stop playing tug of war with you so that we would align with mercy. I thank you for the thousands and thousands of chances you've given me. I pray that you would give an outpouring of those chances to each and every one of us as we align with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's in your name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship on Sundays at 930.